<laughs> Whoa! <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> you definitely peaked for our speakers. I know. I know. I'm just so scared. Dude. <laughs> Had That's you been right, planning? Did you were you planning this intro? We are I might have been we are officially kicking off the Spooktober over here at the Thanks for Playing Podcast. Um, Lucas, what are you most excited for this October? Getting spooked, oh. pretty much. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm stoked. Uh, I I love the change of the season, and it's getting darker. Like <laughs> we live in California. Okay, no I. The, there are seasons. <laughs> I don't get why people There's say this. Not. There are seasons. No, no. It's 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 not seasonal. In Maybe terms if you live of like, in like Big Bear. No, it's not. When I say seasons, I mean change in overall vibe of what's going on out there. Because like, it's gotten darker earlier. It's dropped about twenty degrees. It's it's dropped about twenty degrees since two weeks ago. It used to be mid nineties. Now it's like mid seventies. Right? There's pumpkin spice lattes at at Starbucks. Uh, Spirit Halloween stores are back. I, this is what like seasonality is like corporate now. You know, How that's what I feel. How many times in your life have you ordered a pumpkin spice latte? Probably twice. Twice. Mm-hmm. And when? How many times are you going to order one this year? Probably more, more than that. <laughs> okay, so. okay, y'all um, check up, check up on me in a couple weeks. We'll see how we do <laughs> on it. No, but no, but listen, California I, has two seasons, two two modes. I don't mean weather when I say seasons. Then talk, then don't say seasons. No, but seasons doesn't. Okay, so seasons, seasons as a word does not always refer to weather because you can have a season of a TV show. It just means the arc. Okay, fine. Like the general vibe of the world is changing. Spooky arc right now. Yeah, it is because we got spirit Halloween stars popping up. You can buy like I walked into Trader Joe's and it's all fall decorated. There's Halloween Horror Nights is back at Universal Studios. Disneyland is like all freaking harvest themed and stuff. So I will say one of the apartment doors outside my building, they got a pumpkin outside of it now. I have a pumpkin outside my door as well. So that's 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 what I mean. That's what I mean. It doesn't have to be weather related. You got to acknowledge that. It's pretty it's pretty crazy. Okay. plus I'm playing RuneScape again. Great, great. You know, great fall winter game for sure. Just cozy on up, chopping wood cutting, you know. Just hit RuneScape honestly is the perfect like casual layback game too. I know you want me to get into it again. And it'll also be a really good game to play while I work, I think, too. Because I'm Dog. on the phone a lot. So I like, normally like when I at my previous jobs before I got where I'm currently at, I would like to like listen to podcasts or stuff to help pass the time. But I'm like on the phone a lot at my job now and talking, so like a RuneScape would be perfect because I could just be talking on the phone and be like, yes, Janet, I'll take care of it. I like, <laughs> secretly, secretly chopping you logs by the Grand Exchange and planning my next takeover to um, raise the prices of uh, Granite Malls. Is that what you would do? I was I was part of a merchant clan for a bit, which was actually <laughs> a pump and dump scheme. That's a topic for another day, but RuneScape is actually incredibly fascinating that it did have its own functioning economy. Um, does it does have its own it functioning? Does economy. have its own it's still going on? Yeah, it taught me about the basics of supply and demand, um, more practical rather than what they teach you in school. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I'm most excited yeah. about is um, there's more pumpkin scented stuff available right now. That's what and I mean. I'm a I'm a big I'm a big proponent of spiced 
pumpkin candles. Yeah. For those of you watching uh, the video stream, Matt is holding a candle to his webcam. Might just put it. Oh, it's too close to the mic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's my favorite part. And then the best part is once this month is done, we can officially start listening Chris, to Christmas, Christmas music, music. Yep. Which um, I can't wait for the Christmas episode. Whatever, whatever we do this year, we'll figure something fun out. It'll be sick. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, I do what you, I do know what you mean by the vibes though. Like I don't know, from like from April or from May yeah, from April till September and then in September. There's no vibe. The same mode. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's kinda, no yeah. The, the vibes die with Easter. Uh, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it's not until we hit like fall where like we start to actually feel like there's a spirit in the air of something. And um, I know it sounds corny or whatever, but like even if it is cor corporations that are driving like that spirit, I'm I'm still cool with it, right? Because it's like we're just as into stability as we are into change. That's my personal human philosophy, right? And like every year, it's the same rotation of vibes, but it's always nice when vibes change. Yes, yes, I agree. Speaking um, of vibes, oh, Matt, what are we talking about? today oh, oh, ah. <laughs> there was there was yeah. the segue there's a there's a segue today everyone we are talking about a very interesting stamp in the gaming world actually a very unique genre that can't be defined very easily but lucas and i are brave and today we are going to do our very best to define and just kind of dig into horror video games and what really makes a video game what puts into that horror genre um and kind of what are some of the characteristics that make it up and just some of our some of our all-time faves yeah yeah um you know just to kick off everybody's october i think this is going to end up being our first october episode um mm -hmm. and which mm -hmm. is pretty cool so just to kick off everybody's october we want to kind of go through the line of you know notable horror games for one um, and then talk like game design and sound and uh, graphics, kind of like what we do on our regular episodes, but just with the overarching genre of horror. Um, got a few horror games coming out for you in October episodes, a couple October episodes with some horror. Um, I'm not sure if we should really say what we're playing. What do you think? Um, I'll give I'll, I'll give a hint. I'll give a hint. One's an old school, kind of more, not retro, but older older school, early 2000s GameCube game. Mm -hmm. um, and the other will be a exciting, scary movie co-op adventure for Lucas and I that he's probably going to come over and play at my place, actually. Yeah, I'm excited. With uh, Remy Malik. So, okay, that's a huge clue. I think I think anybody that's paying attention to those horror games, yeah, they'll they'll get it. But they might not uh, be. And uh, I think I, I left the first one in big this enough. But we got exciting, exciting lineup. Do you want to start off uh, just with? I, I think we can start with notable scary games first, just to get people in the mood thinking about this kind of stuff. What do you think? Hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Um, let's start alphabetical order, then kind of skew from there. I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know. This list is not in alphabetical so order. So we're gonna but. start with the most. The top of the list, because it's alphabetically sorted, uh, Alan Wake. Now, right. this is a notable one for obvious reasons. I mean, Lucas, we did Alan Wake, what, three months ago, four months ago, something like I th that? Yeah, I think I think we did it, uh, yeah, three, four months ago. Pretty pretty spooky. Al Alan Wake's one of those interesting ones that it's not necessarily outright scary, but it conditions you to be on edge, was my experience playing it. Um, 
not so, because like there's a few jump scares here and there and those are kind of scary. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, a, a good jump scare can get me at any point, but that's not really truly. I take back what I just said. A jump scare is not truly scary. A jump scare just gets like your blood pumping and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It gets like your anxiety and your stress levels through the roof. But what Alan Wake did do very well that I do kind of falls into my category of scary was after the first couple of times where you're just walking and suddenly you get attacked from behind. That's when I'm like, oh, I need to be careful. And then yeah. I always found myself like when I'm walking, turning around, checking my sticks, being like, who's there? <gasps> who's there? And that was my experience with that game. And to be able to create that conditioning and that kind of constant fear of, I need to be checking my six constantly. Is there a random guy running up behind me? That's what did it for me in that game. But at the same time, at the same time, the game also had a lot of satirical elements to it almost. Yeah. Some of what the characters would scream. Like they would just scream the most random facts during that game. Like, you mean the enemies that would appear out of nowhere and say, yeah, like, like basically say the equivalent of like a catchphrase or something. Yeah. Like, don't like, forget your vitamins. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. <laughs> like really random shit. Like if it was a pharmacist or something, um, that kind of Al- took you out of the moment there. What's funny to me is like Alan Wake was more, I felt more action. Like I felt more of a reaction to action and like shooting people and stuff like that. It wasn't, it, it was obviously horror, a horror setting, but it wasn't scary. It didn't scare me because it was a scary game, if that makes sense. Because I don't think that the game design elements of Alan Wake are scary game design elements, which I, we're going to be diving into and talk about game design. But compare like Alan Wake to like, you know, Silent Hill or Resident Evil, right? Like those games are scary for other reasons, even though they technically both have a similar, like basically the same setting, right? It's kind of like supernatural forces or like you're getting attacked by a lot of enemies (laughs) yeah yeah and like i mean what what makes alan wake not as horror game of a horror game as something like a i don't know five nights at freddy's for instance like doki doki which well i'm kind of getting ahead of us ourselves on the list but continue so we got Fatal Frame. Uh, Lucas, I think you added this one. Are you familiar I, with it? I not? did. So so Fatal Frame, um, I remember when Fatal Frame was coming around. I think I played, it's a series, and I think I played the one on, I believe it was Fatal Frame 2 on PlayStation 2. And I, I, I want to, like, it's, it's so crazy. So when it comes to some video game, like scary video games, I feel like there was a big heyday of scary video games back in, like, the early 2000s, like 2000 to 2010. Um there was like a, a point where games, scary games, horror games, Resident Evil, Silent Hill, Fatal Frame, uh, Dead Space. Uh, there's like a lot of really great game. Condemned, I didn't put it on the list, but I have that as well. Um, where there was a lot of games that were both scary in setting and scary in game design elements. They were like survival horror. Uh, your, your character wasn't really great at moving. Like there was a lot of movement options. And then I think that survival horror became sort of a dominant game genre. And then survival horror slowly started leaking into like third person action game, like Dead Space 2, Dead Space, you know, the Dead Space sequels are just totally like action games. They're not really a survival horror similar to Dead Space 1. Yeah, Fatal Frame is sort of part of that old guard of like, Games that movement was very limited. Um, it was scary. You felt powerless when you were playing the game. But the the problem with some of those older games is the graphics are just, they just look old now. You know, they just look like old 2004 games, you know. So 
there's this weird thing where when graphics are driving the scary setting for certain video games, they lose steam over time. You know, like we're, people are going to play Outlast 15 years from now and go, wow, like this game looks like shit. This is not scary at all because like the yeah. illusion goes away in a way. And that's kind of what Fatal Frame has has become, I think. Uh, I feel like Atlas has actually pretty decent graphics, right? And I feel but that's like, what that's what they thought about Fatal well, Frame. I, I think the jump of graphics is going to be less and less in the future. But yeah, I get what you're saying. And that's particularly true. I mean, such an important part of horror games is making sure everyone's immersed, right? And making sure it is a, um, a, a game that keeps your attention and that makes you feel like you're there. And when you're playing an older game from the early 2000s uh, or earlier, or even later sometimes, if the graphics don't hold up, it just doesn't really fulfill that anymore for you. The, the immersion is harder to maintain for that uh, for a new audience that's seen yes. different things. You know, Even exactly. I was watching some old Amnesia clips. Amnesia is the next game um, on our list. I was watching some old clips of Amnesia, which to me was the scariest game I had ever played when I first played it. Um, famously like made PewDiePie very, very popular because he did like playthroughs of that game back in the day. Mark and like, uh, oh, oh yeah, I didn't know that actually. Mm -hmm. um, that game, if you go go back and look at it now, it's it's probably a little bit less scary than you remember because you're going to see the graphics and go like, oh, okay, it just doesn't, doesn't look as good. <laughs> or, you know, I don't know, it's, it, back then it was the peak of like certain graphical capabilities. Yeah. Now it's just not, so... I actually yeah, intentionally line. avoided amnesia just because I knew it would scare the shit out of me. <laughs> it pro yeah. I mean, I wonder how you how you would play it today and feel about it. But I'd probably I still get a little game. scared, honestly, because I, I I've seen how it looks. Like it's still enough to get me. I think just the atmosphere of it all. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, everyone. I scare easy. <laughs> I scare very easy. I'm a I'm a jumper. I'm a jumper. Yep. Um, I'll never forget, I was, uh, <laughs> got a fun little antidote. I was doing an escape room with my buddies back when I was in San Diego. And this one had like an actor in it, right? And then the, the actor would occasionally pop out of the door and they had like Freddy Krueger hands that would like try and like That's cool. you. And he got, he popped out and did it when my, I really wasn't expecting it. And I was next to my buddy and I like grabbed him and I started to like try and run away. Then I started falling. And I, I dragged my friend all the way back with me to like a bathtub in like a really scary room. And it was just a mess. But oh my God, it sounds like I a ended song up movie. on the ground. We almost like broke a lamp. It was bad. It was bad. It was kind of like a bad Saw movie, actually. But, uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was an interesting escape room to say the least. But all right, next we got Silent Hill. I think you already kind of dug into that a little bit. Yeah. So did you ever play Silent Hill? I did not. I, I typically, for the most part, intentionally avoided the. Uh, horror genre. well you know you, like these were all pretty much rated m games when we were like when these games had come out and i what i mean they're still rated m but they i was too young to really actually buy these games when they had come out and the only reason i was really able to play them is because my older brothers were able to buy them so they were just around and i'd pick them up and play them silent hill i didn't really give a full playthrough um interesting enough um that for sure has like if you go back and just watch YouTube videos of it, you will like the the point I'm drilling in about graphics in horror games. You will really, really feel it um, if you look at some old Silent Hill stuff. And you have to remember, and for those audiences, anybody Dragoon, I, I see that you're in the chat, man. How's it going? Um, just Google Silent Hill, Silent Hill One, and just that. Remember that that was the scariest game at the time by far, and you'll see it, and you'll kind of like chuckle a little bit with like some of 
what the creatures look like and like what just what it looks like, you know, you're like, how is that the scariest game of all time? That's what's mind blowing about it. But Silent Hill story is, um, you know, a uh, protagonist goes into a town. Um, they made a movie as well. And the movie was, yeah. I think, moderately popular. Um, no, nowhere near as good as the Resident Evil movies, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, a protagonist goes into a town to find his daughter, I believe, and uh, encounters like a bunch of psychological thrills in the town. So this has become sort of a classic. Um, we're going to dive into talking about PT a little bit later, um, which is sort of a continuation or sequel to Silent Hill. So we'll be kind of going into that. Um, but next on the list, we got uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, Resident Evil. Yeah. And I kind of want, oh. I don't want us to spend too much time on each individual game. Just yeah. Otherwise this will be longer than even a normal game episode. Yeah. Let's Resident just, let's Evil, just talk. Let's just talk. Resident Evil. Know it and love it. Classic. Five Nights at Freddy's. Made so many YouTubers' careers to start with, like totally helped PewDiePie, Markiplier, uh, Game Theory, a channel I really like, did a lot for them. Uh, Dead Space is a classic, of love course, as well. Dead Space. Need to do that, all that. For the podcast. I actually haven't played any of the Dead Spaces. Fear, um, an older mid two thousands, I think mid to like late two thousand single player game series. It was it was an um, action FPS with like horror elements, mm -hmm, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm gonna lump these two together: Valheim and the <laughs> Forest. Valheim, again, Lucas and I have played this with our friends quite a bit. Uh, definitely not scary right away, but there's some scary elements to it where you're just kind of adventuring. If you are, you find yourself adventuring alone in that game. And also what is scary is just like the gaps and strengths between the monsters you fight. My God. But that's a topic for another day. Yeah. Uh, the Forest is a game in the similar vein as Valheim. But instead of kind of like Norse stuff, you're basically set on an island with cannibals and creepy mythological. Does sound scary. Not mythological, but like creepy, like who knows whatever the hell they are. Um, monsters and stuff. Static speaks my name. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later, but um, a very short experience. I think it's free on Steam if anyone wants to check it out. Um, touches on a lot of like intense kind of psychological stuff, such as like depression and very directly touches on suicide. So, you know, trigger warning if that's something um, that upsets you. Um, let's see. Slender. Slender. Slender the Eight Pages. Played that so much growing up. Yeah, that, that was, that was Slender. In college. Yeah, Slender was huge. Slenderman, like, for sure had a moment. Like, absolutely. Um, and My like, friend, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it just, I, I like, the, the game, uh, that HBO documentary that came out, like a bunch of people and like teenagers that were like really into the legend and like the mythos of, of Slenderman and all that stuff, um, just became so popular. I, what happened to that guy? Like, is he, yeah, is he around? Know, I just kind of fell off, but I got really into Slenderman in high school, actually, like my freshman or sophomore year, because I first found like a creepypasta series called Marble Hornets, like a video series. That's oh, yeah, that was huge footage. in high school. I All my and friends were into that. I didn't realize it was fake at first. I was like, oh, this is... I didn't really know, understand the concept at that point of found footage, like that as a genre. <laughs> so I was just like terrified of it. And then when I got to college, Slend like that, that game came out, Slender the Eight Pages. I think it was originally just called Slender, actually. And my friends and I would all... We literally, our nights were just us all getting drunk and then playing that game sometimes. Yeah. Just being like terrified and be like, bro, you play. No, no, you, you. Yeah, huge. <laughs> So many fun memories and scary memories as well. 
Uh, Frambell, Lucas. I don't know this. I don't know this one. Yeah, I'm willing to bet you haven't heard of that. It's another like psychological horror one. It's actually just like a point and click adventure game. Shout outs to Jill. If you listen to this episode, played that with her, one of my good friends. Um, very, very unique game. Very not scary in the traditional sense, but I think unsettling is a better word for it with psychological okay. horror elements. Uh, Oxen Free. Did Again, it for the not pod. Really, we did it for the pod. Not a super scary game or horror per se, but it does have the way it distorts the audio at certain times and kind of the way the screen will distort and kind of mess with your sense of what's actually happening adds that horror element to it. Little Nightmare is a really great game. Um, I don't know if you've played this, Lucas. Really great game I've played. Like I have a not. side scroller um, adventure kind of game, but with horror elements. PT, which I think we can maybe get into a little bit more later, but basically an add-on kind of of Silent Hill. A, a, a demo. Available anymore. A demo. It's a, it was a downloadable demo for Silent Hills, the Kojima-directed right, Silent yes. Hill game. Yeah. Uh, Devotion, which was the game we talked about that like got released nowhere for a while because of uh, China being China. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's all I've we got to say. Amazing things about it. Uh, oh, we have Dead Space on here twice. Hot dog. Um, Detention, uh, Lucas, I don't think you've played this, but this is made by the developers that did Devotion. A very, very scary, like side-scrolling adventure horror game. I did. I actually streamed that for a bit. Oh, uh, nice. When, when I was like a few years ago, when I was trying to do the streaming thing, and very scary. Uh, I think it got to the point where I just stopped playing it on stream because I was too stressed. Oh wow! <laughs> but that's also more of a me, a me problem. Um, and then PT. Oh wait, no. What we already did PT. Bloodborne. PT. Bloodborne. Of course, I wanted to include that as well. Bloodborne. For those that don't know, is a Souls-like game that's. In the same vein as Dark Souls, but it's much more like you know, Halloween themed horror. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Yeah, that that's like um kind of a broad overview, kind of going back. I guess we only really went back like 20 years, but I mean, we're missing a million horror games on here that could totally be on here. So if anybody has any or you listen to the episode, uh join us in the Discord and give us your favorite horror game. Uh Matt, you wanna real quick let the fans know where they could find our Discord? Lucas, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, everyone, as always, you know, if you want to kind of hang out on our Discord, you can either find it on our website, thanks for playing live, or or you can find it on our social medias. You can go to uh, on Twitter and Instagram, TFP Podcasts. That's TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. If you go into our link tree over there, you'll be able to find both the uh, you'll be able to find the links to our Discord as well as any of our other stuff like our YouTube where we're at right now and all that fun stuff. And of course, as always, if if you can't find any of that online, maybe you're stuck, I don't know, um, you can shoot us an email at thanksforplayingpod.gmail.com and you will we'll send you a personal invite link. That's right. And Or maybe we'll just say... Thanks for hey, playing. But yeah, Try again. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and uh, definitely subscribe on YouTube so you can check out our live streams. Uh, we're trying to get back into those again, um, so we'll be doing them roughly once a week. Uh, anytime Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday is usually when we record, so we'll be doing them. Of course, we're always putting them in the Discord when we do, so you'll be getting notifications through YouTube and through Discord. All right, uh, Matt, I got a question for you. What makes a scary game. Ooh. Ooh. Well, that's why we're having this whole episode, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what do you um, think? 
I think I think for me what makes a game scary at the end of the day is the feeling of making it seem so realistic it could happen to you Mm -hmm. like whatever you're experiencing in the game and I think I find that true in movies and obviously with games I think games can be scary not have that trait per se because maybe some of them are so fantastic that it's just they would never happen in your lifetime like take for example Dead Space or I really doubt you're going to find yourself in the situation that the main character is in Amnesia or Outlast do but for me personally what makes these games scary is the possibility that like this event or like some version of this event or the the personal horrors and the personal terror that a character is experiencing that whether by that event that they're experiencing or some sort of similar event, if that could affect me psychologically in a similar way, Mm -hmm. that's what scares me. Feeling like the character. Feeling like the character and creating them being able to create empathy with the character in those scary situations. Um, And then of course, I mean, there's a lot you can go into like, you know, game design, like, tight spaces, things like that. Graphics, I think sounds super important in horror games. Um, but I think for me, the most important is making it feel like that you could be that main character. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I like that. I like that. Um, I mean, some the best horror movies out there are the ones that make you go, oh my God, what would I do in that situation? Right. right. Or like, oh, like, would of course I, I want to go down to the basement, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Or yeah, sometimes horror movies, if they're not so great or they're frustrating to watch, you're like, why are they going to the fucking basement? Stop going <laughs> to the basement. Like, there's there's plenty of horror movies that have made me do that. But like, if you watch, let's say, um, I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre last year uh, during Halloween, and I was thinking like, oh my God, what the hell would I do? Like, it wasn't like a matter of like, why are they doing X, Y, Z? It was more just like, oh God, this is so unsettling. Same thing with like any Saw movie or any of those torture gory movies, you know, you're like, oh God, like I would not, what would I do? You know, how would I feel and all that stuff? So I, I totally get where you're coming from. And uh, while I was doing a little bit of, um, you know, brainstorming on this topic and taking down some notes here, um, yeah, I, I came across kind of four main components that I think really settle in for horror And a few of them have to do with what we talk about on our podcast regularly. But one is unique, I think, to horror. And I've settled on this in my head that it's it's essential for horror to work. Excuse me. So game design totally always applies with every game. Horror games not excluded. I, um, you know, we're going to go into game design and what, what we really do in game design to make horror games feel scary. Next thing, graphics. Um, I think graphics are really, really vital with, with horror games, um, whether you're subverting graphics or doing something with the graphics like Doki Doki Literature Club, or you're just getting high fidelity, you know, really scary stuff like an Outlast, um, you know, just pure scary, something like that, or like a PT, even, playable teaser. Sound, as important as all these things, for sure. Sound, there, I mean, there's parts of Dead Space that are just completely silent and just a wall of scary sound. And um, even the game that we're playing for the pod uh, for one of our October scary games uh, that you're playing through right now, Matt, sound design is huge for sure, for sure. Um, And the last thing that I prefaced at the beginning, story. I have come to the conclusion, I was doing research on horror stories and horror genres in the first place. 
And barring something like H.P. Lovecraft cosmic horror or weird fiction, pretty much every horror story has like a few elements that are that just make it horror, right? Horror used to be vampires, werewolves, um, you know, zombies and monsters and things like that. That's like what horror used to be. And horror is like kind of evolved. Psychological horror is a thing, gore, torture and things like that. But most of the time, horror has something to do with bodily fear, bodily harm, most of the time caused by external forces that are often not rooted in reality. So ghosts, uh, vampires, werewolves, um, some sort of, you know, play on something like something demonic, the devil, you know, think of like the exorcist or something like that. Alan Wake, it's ghosts. Silent Hill, it's like zombie ghost monster things. Resident <laughs> Evil, it's zombies. Like yeah. Fatal Frame, it's ghosts. You know, like every game that we brought up here, um, there's monsters in a way. And I think that in horror, barring again, like HP Lovecraftian cosmic horror, there's usually some sort of, you know, component that is like causing bodily harm in the form of a monster. So even if it's a monster that's like psychologically inside of us. Um, so that's kind of what I've realized is, you know, the setting of those few things really do define horror. Um, but what's interesting is it, it really is hard to pinpoint, right? Like, you know, is something scary because it causes anxiety? Is something scary because it gets your heart pumping? Well, not necessarily. So what is fear? right? What is anxiety? Is is something that doesn't have a ghost still horror? Um, is something like Doki Doki Literature Club horror? Why or why not? Right? And I think that's where we like get just a super interesting thing. Is it horror? Is it scary? Is it creating fear in you? What do you think? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting that you bring up anxiety or and like, because for me, when, it, when I think of anxiety in games, right? Like what makes me anxious in a game or what stresses me out in a game? Part of what comes to my mind is things like hard to beat bosses, right? Hard to, you know, things that are hard to get through or, you know, if I'm last, you know, like if I'm last hit against someone and or I'm thinking I'm talking in melee terms now, I'm sorry, but if I'm if I'm one hit away from being killed by a boss and I know I have to get this last hit in, that's something that might be anxiety inducing. But is that scary? I don't I don't think I'd find that scary because to me, something like that is just a that's just an intense situation, right? But to what me, if the, what if that boss is now a werewolf? Oh, that's I'm what I'm that. saying. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, then I think that's a I think that's a I think that's a game relying on cheap tricks, right? Because um, to me, if you were, I think to be clear, I think anxiety and stress to an extent as well are they can be. I think scary and more like real world situations and in game, depending on how it affects you as well. I don't want to downplay that and how people certain people may react to anxiety. But for me, when I'm experiencing that kind of anxiety, like a last hit situation, they just happen to be a werewolf. To me, that's something that's very akin to like, if I'm playing a game of soccer and my team barely has a lead and trying to like, I play defense, I'm trying to hold them off. Like that's that same kind of like anxiety and stress that I would experience in that situation that I'm experiencing in a game instead. So for me, that's not scary. That's just like its own unique thing, right? And I think just because you put a game, you create those situations and then you put a skin on top of it with some vampires and some ugly looking monsters that are pretty scary in the traditional sense. I don't think that's super scary. I think what a game needs to do to be scary is to create a, a feeling of dread, right? 
a feeling of dread for your character, a feeling of dread because you're experiencing it with your character. And for you, maybe, you know, this is like a unique thing, right? It's not like mutually, you know, like what's scary for Lucas <clears throat> might not be scary for me. So that's why we're speaking in like broader terms here. But I think it's the most important is that while it is important a game creates that anxiety and that stress, I think it's important for a game to create a feeling of dread more than anything. And the feeling of, not even the feeling of that anxiety when you face the boss, right? That final boss battle or turning a corner and you don't know what's there, but the feeling of dread because you don't know what that boss is going to look like. You don't know what that boss is going to be. The feeling of dread that you don't know what's going to happen when you turn that corner where that weird sound's coming from. That's what makes the game scary with games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I, I agree with you there. Um, it's just interesting that like, you know, we talk about something like Alan Wake being a horror game, but I, I didn't really feel like it was a horror game because I never really felt powerless when I was playing it. I didn't really feel a sense of dread. I felt like, okay, like axe murder ghost coming at me. Like the setting is a horror setting, but the game is not a horror game. Right. And I think like that's where video games have this very unique sort of thing going on where if that was, if Alan Wake was a movie, it would just be considered a horror movie or a scary movie, right? There's action horror games or action horror movies and things like that, or, you know, books that are kind of actiony and also scary books. But with video games, it's like, they're very, very separated, you know, like your game design has to really, really fit into a, a very specific horror box for game design. Uh, and then it has to have that setting as well. So jumping straight into game design, right? Like a few things that I wrote here in terms of game design that really is you know, relevant to the horror genre is like limited movement, for instance. A lot of the early Resident Evil games did this, uh, especially Resident Evil 1, very claustrophobic hallways, um, making you feel very powerless, um, the inability to really like move very much around opponents. So you like are kind of scared. Um, it's not like, it's definitely not like Alan Wake level. Alan Wake, you could actually move quite a bit. So it's like yeah. definitely not as scary or powerless, but yeah, um, that's one. Uh, tight level design, maze-like structures and things like that. So where the path isn't exactly clear, so you're kind of like, it's, it's a combination of exploring and being scared around every corner that I think great horror games do very well as well. Um, big one, resource limitation. So games, uh, again, another, Resident Evil is another prime example. Um, there was actually like not enough resources in Resident Evil 1 to do a lot of things in that game. So you actually needed an item in Resident Evil to even save your game. And really, I didn't know that. That's yeah, sick. you needed you needed ribbons at a typewriter, and you would save your game at a typewriter. So if you even even saving was scary because you were like, oh god, do I save now or do I save later? So even the feeling of saving your game was a, a somewhat anxiety inducing. So that's a game design choice. That's not has nothing to do with the setting, has nothing to do with the zombies or ghosts or vampires or anything like that in a traditional horror sense. Purely a game design choice that was made, which I think is really awesome. Um, and then, you know, you like depending on if you were low on health or low on ammo, the game would spawn those items for you in certain rooms. So if you had a lot of ammo, the game would not spawn any more ammo for you. It would actually wait for you to get low on ammo to give you that. I so that. so it's really cool because it kind of keeps you on edge where you're like, oh, I can't you can't stock up any resources in this game. There's a resource limitation going on there. Pretty cool. Um and then last one I have here is lighting controls. So 
um, can be put into the graphic category, but I'm speaking more on like limiting lighting sources or the ability for the player to see. So um, sometimes in video games, you have candles that only lasts a certain amount of time or your flashlight only has a certain amount of battery life. Batteries, yeah. Yeah, so those kinds of things create a lot of anxiety because every human has sort of a natural fear of the dark, you know? So light as a precious resource is so natural in game design. I mean, and I know we're like saying it's not that scary of a game, but just to kind of point to that and just how like obvious of a choice it is for game designers to focus on, literally one of the main mechanics of Alan Wake is how well can you preserve your light? And one of the main mechanics in the game is just seeking out light, finding lights, literally your safe haven where you regenerate health, things like that are, um, and those are like checkpoints for you as well. So I think that just yeah. kind of pays tribute to just how important light is and yeah. these games designs and how much of a, well, obviously not a scary thing, but how much of a saving grace and something, it, it makes you like vie for it, right? It makes you want it. Totally. Was there a lighting thing in Slender? There was, right? You had a flashlight, right? I want to say you had a flashlight. I don't think it did anything other than just giving you light, though. Okay, yeah. I think I it just think, did get genuinely right. very hard to see once you didn't have it. I could be wrong on that, though. It's been a while since I played that game. Okay. Yeah, so um, game design is just... There are totally genre conventions to how we design scary games. I think limited movement is one that's pretty universal. And again, like I mentioned, is I think that their survival horror genre has really evolved over time um, to the point where it's really approached like third person action. Um, and if you play something like, you know, the original Resident Evil and then you play Resident Evil 4 or Dead Space, um, you're going to you're going to see that like the movement options increase a little bit like you could actually strafe. In Dead Space, you couldn't even straight. You couldn't even strafe in Resident Evil Four. It's kind of crazy. Um, in Dead Space, you actually can. So you can kind of move a little bit, but you still can't see behind you. The camera is still very close to the character, third yeah. person, and it, it is creating a constant fear of like, oh god, what's behind me? And that is scary. That is for sure scary. Um, Alan Wake kind of does the same thing to a certain degree, but not not to the level of like. You don't, you don't ever feel so powerless in that game. I guess always going back to it of like drawing that line. Fatal Frame, you can't move for shit. <laughs> I get all. Uh, amnesia, I'm trying to go down the line here. Uh, amnesia, you just don't even have any weapons. So you're just running the whole time. The whole time so that's scary for that whole reason. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's kind of my, uh, my little critique there on game design. Yeah, I, I agree with I, all those are. I mean, it's like a recipe, right? You know, it's like you need sugar, spice and everything nice. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, game design is just the sugar in this context. Right. Uh, next is graphics. I think that's an interesting one. We've already kind of touched on it a bit, right? Where you were mentioning earlier how like the games from the early 2000s and maybe even earlier, right? How those were horror games before. They're not really, I mean, they're still horror games by design and by genre conventions, but you're not going to be scared the same way you are when you played Silent Hill when it originally came out as than if you were to play it now. Whereas you pointed out, if you were to play Amnesia now and then playing it now when you're when it came out again, right? Yep. Um, so it's interesting because it's, I, I think going forward, it's very important that, you know, to make a game that, what's the word we always look for um holds up right holds up 
And I think that's a very interesting challenge when it comes to horror games for those reasons we just mentioned. That said, though, I think in some cases, like, you know, say, for example, a game like Doki Doki, right? Uh, I think Doki Doki is a video game that for the horror genre is going to be kind of timeless because, I mean, for starters, it's a visual novel, like a true visual novel, right? Not like a kind of play on it, like say Phoenix Wright would be like, it's a true visual novel and the style of visual novels hasn't changed in ever, really. Yeah, ever. <laughs> ever. It's just kind of, it, it has its convention and that's what it does. But what Doki Doki does so well that I love is using these visual bugs um, and just straight up art to create horror, right? And, you know, I think visual bugs would often be a downfall to games, right? Um, Particularly horror games, because the second something glitches out and it breaks the illusion in a horror game, the illusion is broken and you're taken out of the experience. It's like when a light goes off in a movie theater, right? Just takes you out of the experience and you're no longer absorbed in it. But with Doki Doki, when you're having these uh, bugs and particularly when you're playing on your computer, because it kind of plays with that with you as well, specifically for the computer, it came out for switch. So not really sure how some of those, I know, I wonder, I might have to do a replay just to experience that. But specifically um, the way Doki Doki utilizes, it does kind of create, like you were mentioning earlier, some of that sense of anxiety that can be tied to that sense of dread. And I mean, I'll just say it as well for me personally. I think Doki Doki is one of the scariest games out there um, for a multitude of reasons, just from a simple horror aspect. I agree. From being scary for shock value for, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it here, but it's a psychological a, horror though. Yeah. You know, and, it's, it's in, it's in that more, that setting yeah. more so. And I, I just remember there was a certain point where, I never felt more dread in a game where I had to go to a certain place and you know exactly what you're going to find. And then you find it. Ugh. And then when you find, I, I literally, I never forget. I, when I saw that, and if you play Doki Doki, you know what I'm talking about. It happens in your first playthrough. When I saw it, I literally freaked out. I yelled because I was just so upset. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I was playing on my laptop at the time and I just shut my laptop. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, fuck. God, that game is so scary. So good. And then, Go check out our Doki Doki episode for those. Doki Doki, one of our better oh, episodes for yeah. sure. And then, not really necessarily graphics per se, but I think art style is so important too. Like, the, what a great example, I think a really scary art in a game actually is the final boss in Undertale, the flowy final boss. Um, it has like this very in Lucas. I think it's surrealistic. Correct me if I'm if I'm wrong on that. But it's like this very surrealistic. It's more mixed mixed media, I'd say. Like where it's out of place for the graphics. Okay. So yeah, yeah mixed media and like just very out of place design for what you like. You've been playing a pixel art game the whole time, like sixteen bit whatever. And then you get to the final boss, and it's this terrifying like yeah embalgamation of just like I don't even know what to call it. And then it has like actual, um, I think it's actually Toby Fox like in there and his face is all like distorted. He's like just these terrifying faces and it kind of just really breaks the reality of the game. Right. And I was like, this is for me, that was scary personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Graphics are an interesting debate when it comes to scary games. I mean, right now I have silent Hill one screenshots pulled up on my computer um, I'll, I'll probably throw them in the discord, uh, after this episode is released, but it is really funny that like, I'm looking at this particular screenshot and this does not look scary whatsoever. It just looks silly. Right. Cause Silent it's like, Hill. yeah, it's just games just don't look that, that way anymore, you know, and seeing like a very boxy, 
uh, protagonist point a gun at a gargoyle on a bridge. It, it just looks it just looks funny. So I, it's that was peak. That was like peak horror video game back in the day. And now it's just it can't be taken as seriously as a horror game. So it's kind of tied graphically to what it was. Probably in need of a reboot. I think that the first Resident Evil got, re you know, the first Resident Evil got rebooted, I think, kind of for a similar reason where just kind of needed to be brought forth um, gameplay wise and graphic wise into the uh, into 2020. So, yeah, that's that's the, graphics. They have announced a Silent Hill reboot actually for the PS5. Oh, cool. OK, we'll yeah. have to we'll have to jump. In I'm not on that. sure See, what the release date on that is, but oh, that's going to be spooky. Did this already come out? No. <laughs> We gotta do a little more research on this one, but yeah, it looks what, like there's a Silent Hill coming for the PS5. What happened uh, to Silent Hills, though? Hills. That must. So I think well, Silent Hills is like the it's the canceled Kojima Del Toro project, right? Or is that is what the one coming out? I don't for know. The PS5 if it was, I he I know he collaborated on it. I don't know if it was meant to be a full game. I mean, the game is literally PT literally stands for playable teaser. But it, was that supposed to be Silent Hills? That game is that correct? Well, it says Silent Hills at the end of the playable teaser. Uh, must just be a canceled project then. Yeah. Yeah. Man, kind what of a bummer because I know that teaser like shook the world, right? I wonder what happened yeah, to Kojima. Was, I know that was a very <laughs> scary like twenty minute experience. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on to sound. Did you say? Did you say you wonder what happened to Kojima? Well, like it's just you <laughs> he know. went on to make a walking simulator. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> he got too avant garde. I mean, maybe he became hard to work with or something because you know he got. It's like silent, the Silent Hill thing he was working on gets canceled. And then the, you know, the series that he had basically, cre I mean, the series he had created and directed for so long, just he loses that completely and then makes Death Stranding. And like, yeah, I know, it's wild. And he loves Norman Reedus, apparently. Because you know Norman Reedus was in I'll tell you what happened. To you, know, you know how we know Hideo Kojima is all, he needs to rethink some things. I remember when we were, when I was doing research for 12 Minutes, Hideo Kojima said he liked that game. Okay, someone's got to talk to Kojima. Which is problematic. That is problematic. In its own right. <laughs> Man, he loves like actors in games. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, man. I mean, we got it. That honestly, one was pretty bad. 12 minutes was pretty bad, guys. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. There's no excuse for liking that game. I'm sorry. Um, we got to move on. We got to move on to, uh, to sound. All right, so um, sound is and always has been uh, the, one of the best things to emphasize in design. Um, it's, I mean, sound is scary. <laughs> I mean, always. Like, I think I, I mentioned it, how like in, in Dead Space, there's just parts where the screen goes completely black. And I remember listening to an interview with uh, some of the developers and they said, yeah, it turns out you can just have a room with nothing in it and you can kill the lights and have like monster sounds. And like all of a sudden it's like one of the scariest rooms in the game, you know, <laughs> like you literally didn't, you didn't create any assets. You didn't design anything. There's no concept art. You just kind of have it. You just let an audio engineer kind of do their creative thing with monster sounds. And all of a sudden it's scary. Um, even like playable teaser. I watched a playthrough of playable teaser in preparation for this episode. And like, oh my God, like 80% of what makes that whole thing scary is the sound. It's like you hear a crying baby, you hear like, someone die you hear someone get murdered and slashed in a bathroom i mean you just hear all these like guttural scary bodily harm things going well what's on. crazy it's about scary. sound right is because it's not visual and it's just audio right what sound does is it implies something 
It implies yeah. what's going on in the next room. It implies that if you turn around this corner, it's going to be terrifying and you're going to be fucked. Yeah, and exactly. it's that implication. I think again, that kind of again, I think that that implication, that possibility, is what builds that sense of dread, right? Because oftentimes, and you know, and some deep life stuff, right? We'll often <laughs> we'll often think or we'll often find that thinking about something is scarier than actually experiencing it, right? Yeah. And I think what sound does is it creates the thoughts of what something could be before you actually see it. And right. just those thoughts can spiral out of control and create these terrifying, you know, it lets your imagination yeah. run wild is the and, thing, right? Yeah, totally. And also like on an evolutionary level, like humans are more alerted to sound, right? Like we're more tuned into like rustling in a bushes, right? I mean, we're tuned like at, like we're tuned into visuals as well. But like, let's say you're early human man in a cave, right? And like outside the cave, it's nighttime and you hear rustling in the bushes. You're evolutionarily programmed to be afraid right now, right? Cause like there's a creature in the bush, right? So even something rustling, growling, like something like that is meant to set you off on a biological level, mm -hmm. right? Just like how visually like blood, uh, like gore, t sharp fangs and teeth and like eyes that glow in the dark, like predatory things are meant to scare you visually, you know, like stuff that's not supposed to be there as far as sound, that's always going to set you off, I think. 100%, without a doubt, yeah. yeah. Um, story. Oof. What gets yeah, you going so, with us? That's such an interesting one, right? Well, what makes a story scary? I, I think I kind of tie it back to my original thing that I was saying is like, for me, what makes the game scary is like, that it could actually happen to you, right? Um, again, like Doki Doki, as I mentioned, is for me one of the scariest games out there. And it is very much, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things that would never happen in your real life, but it's very much a commentary on a variety of mental health issues, um, and issues in general, such as suffering from abuse and having um, you know health issues because of that, like weight issues, um, uh, OCD, pain OCD, which is a very real thing, um, depression, suicidal thoughts, tendencies, and actual suicide in that game. It's all very um, intense. And when you see characters experiencing something like that in a game, and especially in a game too, where, you know, you think in a game, like, let's just play your some, let's pretend you're playing something like a Resident Evil, right? Like, that's not, you're not meant to like think, empathize with the character in the sense right but in a game like doki doki you're empathizing with these characters that have these very real problems these very real problems that could also happen in your life so when you create a story that focuses around characters that could also that are also experiencing things that you could experience yourself yeah and their lives are just going to shit and there's nothing you can do to save them or seemingly nothing you can do to help them or save them and you just have to watch this horror show play out that's scary to me because then it kind of translates fuck what has happened in my life right and then another great game that is a really good example of this is um, a game called, I mentioned it earlier a little bit, um, The Static. Speaks my name. The Static Speaks my name, which, spoilers for the next minute. Um, if you plan on Lucas, do you care? Actually, I know you haven't played this yet either. Ah, man. Can you keep it spoiler free at all? I feel like I, ah, no, go for it. All right. Go it's like it. a 15 minute, anyway. It's, um, I think you'll, it's in the title, not in the title, but in the description. Anyways, it's literally just a 15 minute experience and it's just you in like a very like basic generated world walking around this guy's house that's clearly depressed and just kind of seeing like his very menial task and what is what could be perceived as a meaningless life. 
And the whole game literally just culminates with you killing yourself. Committing suicide. Yikes. There's no way out of it. It's just like, it's just you forcibly experiencing someone's last day. And it's not even, it's interesting, right? Because it's not dramatic. It's just clearly like this person has decided they're going to end their life. And it's just walking you through the last experiences and kind of showing you little hints of what led them to this point. Wow. And that was a very interesting game to experience. And yeah. So that's wow. the stuff that's scariest to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think things like Dead Space, like if I played Dead Space, I'd be yelling the whole time and like punching someone up there next to me out of fear, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, I scare easy like that escape room thing I was talking about. But those are scares that don't stick with me. Those are scares in the moment. Like the horror created from these kind of games are something that I'm thinking about, right? And totally. stays with me. Totally. I mean, I, I can like, to, what, what scares me the most, I think when it comes to stories are sort of like, the things that are manifestations, like when the horror story is sort of a metaphor for something else, um, bodily harm, like, man, I feel like the, the horror movies that I grew up with were like totally slasher movies. And then like the Saw era of horror movies. I don't know if you recall this, Matt, but there was a time where basically every scary movie that came out was a torture movie. It was like Saw 1, Saw 2, Saw 3, well, House of Wax. Well, going for like the gore it, shock factor, it, it, right? Yeah, yeah, it was just like, it was just teenagers go to a thing, they start disappearing one by one, and they start getting tortured by like some maniac somewhere. And like that was every single horror movie for like a good eight to ten years maybe. And then before that, it was just Slasher, Scream, Scream 2, uh freddy friday the 13th like nightmare on elm street it was just like monster killing teenagers right and now we're kind of entering this like art house horror like ari aster era where we're getting things like midsommar or um babadook uh it follows uh what's the other? hereditary you know we're getting all these horror movies that are actually trying to be a little bit more artistic for one with the genre but also like using horror as a driving force to talk about human trauma, right? So spoiler alert, I guess for Midsommar, Matt, you've seen Mids you saw Midsommar. Mm -hmm, I've seen Midsommar. You know, it's family trauma that is at the center of what is wrong. I mean, it yes. opens up with like a murder-suicide and it's like horrible, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. absolutely devastating. And then the whole movie just gets twisted from there and all crazy. And um, it's about relationships and all this other stuff. It's not necessarily about the horror component, although it is a horror movie because young kids just start disappearing and getting murdered one by one by one. So to me, I think that's what I'm most into at the moment is like horror stories that are really um, supposed to be analogies or metaphors for like a deeper seated problem that we're facing. Um, the slasher thing, the torture thing just really got played out for me over time, especially growing up with those movies. It just kind of lost its thing. And the other thing too, that scares me a lot is that, um, is that like HP Lovecraft, like cosmic horror, like the type of, I'm not sure if you're so familiar with it, Matt, are you? Like the- And under the general like Cthulhu stuff, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like the basic consensus of like a lot of HP Lovecraft horror was that um, the reader, the audience was meant to feel very insignificant. Where like a lot of horror stories at that time, this is like early 1920s, um, kind of early 20th century stuff. A lot of horror stories, again, still vampires, zombies, werewolves, that kind of thing. HP Lovecraft writes about an ancient forgotten city in Antarctica where like an expedition of people found like like a ancient race of beings that long long precede humans and the whole thing is that like 
we we don't belong to Earth any more than like they they are the true rulers, right? Right. And, like there's yeah. all these ancient cosmic gods that <laughs> ruled Earth, and like we're nothing basically. And like all of his protagonists go mad at like the realization that they are insignificant to the universe. That's kind of Just that's scary. Realizing. <laughs> We don't belong here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that stuff's yeah. scary to me too. Um, totally. And totally to scary. kind of mention on that, I, I wanted to bring it up earlier when you're talking about sound a little bit, but I think another great example of that is kind of Outer Wilds. Well, very clearly not intended to be a horror game. For me, some of the most scary experiences in gaming in recent memory for me at least was when I'm in my ship and something goes wrong and... I have to go outside to, you know, for whatever reason, try and um, fix something in the depths of space and something else goes wrong and I get separated from my ship and I can't get back because of gravity pulling me somewhere else. And then I just end up drifting in space literally until I die or the time that is scary in that game. And I'll never forget to in that game, the final bit where spoilers in the next 15 seconds for Outer Wilds, where you're like entering literally like a. Yeah, like the center of the universe and you're entering the eye of the universe and it's just like this bleakness and it's just terrifying. And uh, yeah. something about just the idea of sitting in space is very terrifying to me. Em- and even right now, when you like started bringing up cosmic horror again, I was literally just thinking to myself internally like, oh, fuck, there's like a whole universe out there. Like, <laughs> uh, it was kind of making me, it's, it was kind of making me upset and anxious. Like, yeah. It's anxiety um, inducing for sure to like, extremely. Yeah. Beca- to come to the realization that like, we're just so small. Like the thought that aliens might not get to listen to this podcast, just, Oh, that's I, so scary. I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, we got to send out some radio waves to them. Like, well, I'm going to have nightmares Apple tonight. Podcasts. I yeah. know. Okay. I, I think I might, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about outer space now and it's freaking me out. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, but yeah, I think those are kind of like the main things in games, right? That we look at. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any even? Else? And I like it. I, I don't know if you mentioned I might have missed. I, I apologize. You, you brought up Killer7 too. Which is oh yeah, I wrote that on the list. I, I like that a lot too because the whole thing with Killer Seven is, and that came out. Correct me if I'm wrong. With the early post 2011, 2002, 2003, I think post 11 yeah. world where, you know the, I, I mean I, I won't speak for the whole world, but uh, at least the U.S. and America was just fueled on the terror of terrorism, terrorism right? Yeah, and then in Killer Seven, you're literally fighting like an invisible enemy, basically. Um, so that the I think that's a very clear play on like the horrors of how like how scared we can get of an invisible enemy and like how it can lead us to do shitty things in real life too, right? Yeah. But just assuming that there's an enemy there, right? Or just assuming someone must be an enemy, things like that. So I, I think games that can kind of comment on that too are kind of scary in their own way. Because they comment on the shittiness of humans a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Man, Killer Seven, what a great game! Great game. I, th- I think about that game quite often. Yeah, dude, I knew, I knew it. I, th- I, mean, I think the games I think about that we've done on the podcast the most are probably, um, actually surprisingly not Doki Doki. I try not to think about that game because it upsets me. Yeah, um, it's a great game though. I think about Killer Seven a lot. I think about Outer Wilds a lot. And what else? I think about Oberdin quite a bit. Oberdin. Um, yeah. I think about Oberdin because Oberdin was just so unique and I'm upset because it doesn't ha- actually if I give it like another year, it'll have replay value because I don't remember everything that well. But 
like for a while it won't have that much replay value. Um, oh, we've just done so many good games. Yeah, but that's not what we're talking about today. Maybe we'll do a year end wrap up uh, come New Year's time. And oh yeah, that'll be fun. Intuitive it. Fun. Yeah. Well, everybody, I think that's all we got for the horror game episode. This was a long one. Possible. Yeah, this possible. was. I think we're this, pushing an hour. Yeah, this was good. Um, was I fun. I was excited to to dive into this one, and hopefully, it's kind of kickstart everybody's spooky season. Hopefully, people are out there yeah. watching some horror movies, uh, playing some horror video games. It is some it is good stuff. Yeah. Also, quick shout out to I just want to mention it while we're here on the on the topic. One of my favorite genres actually is for movies is horror satire. <laughs> what? Can you give me an I, example? Cabin in the Woods. Oh, that's good. That's um, good. Cabin in the Woods, Haunted House. I think it's called Haunted House, which it's like um, making fun of paranormal or activity. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll never forget me and uh, our mutual, Lucas's mutual friend, Neil, who I've known since high school. We went and saw it in high school. Like we saw an opening night, um, Haunted House 2. We're like, oh, bro, it's going to be sick. It's going to be a packed theater. It's going to be such a fun experience. And literally it was just me and him in the theater. That's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, I, I, yeah, there's, there's so many good ones out there. Um, I, I love Cabin in the Woods. I, I've, I got to rewatch that one. That one's a fun one. Yeah. That's a su super fun one. And I think yeah. horror satire is hit or miss for people, but. I love things that make light on things that are supposed to be serious. <laughs> yeah. Cabin in the Woods a, is genuinely great. It. It's like genuinely. It's a, a great really movie. good movie. Yeah. Really like, good on, awesome. play on horror trope. But, sure. uh, all right, everyone. Lucas, let's see anything else. I think that's all we have today. Um, everyone, as always, remember, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you can find us Twitter, Instagram, TFP podcast. Hit up the link tree. Go check out our, uh, you know, come join our discord. It's a fun, good time in there. Um, check out our website. We really don't push that enough. We should do more with that. Thanks for playing live and shoot us an email if you want. Thanks for playing pod gmail.com. Uh, let us know what your scariest game is. And you know, Hey, don't forget if you're listening on an Apple podcast, leave a review, you know, only if you're going to leave five stars, I'll take, I'll, I'll take four stars, uh, preferably five. And if you want to leave a one star review, maybe before you do that, shoot us an email. Let's talk out what you don't like about the podcast you know, get some <laughs> constructive feedback, but uh, leave a review and tell us who do you think would die first in a horror movie? Me or Lucas? Ooh, that's great. Oh, I can't wait for that answer to come Or back. same time. Um, I think that could be a fun <laughs> one too, but yeah, let us I, know what you think. And yeah, that's all I got. Honestly, it, <laughs> I think it's you. <laughs> I'm just like being completely honest. It's for sure. Not me. I think it's me too. Just because <laughs> okay. like, I think if I was put in a horror movie situation, I'd be the guy that like, doesn't take things seriously. Like, guys, come on. Like, you yeah. really think there's a guy after us? Yeah. And then like, I open a door and get like, just wrecked. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I'd be like, so are you guys you. really, really doing this right now? Yeah. Come yeah. on. We're in Cabo, guys. Yeah, yeah. Let's party. <laughs> yeah, that's totally you. Like, man, I can't wait to go to Cabo now. Yeah. <laughs> Dragoon, Dragoon in the chat says Def Matt. So I think he's, <laughs> think he's uh, in tune. All right. Cool, man. This is a, this is a good one. All right, everyone. Well, this has been Anything's Possible. And remember, anything's possible.
Thanks for playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch and Red Circle 